Habit three, put first things first. I was listening to a speech comparing the challenges faced by today's teens to those of teens who lived 150 years ago. I agree with most of what the speaker said until this. The challenge that teens faced 150 years ago was hard work. The challenge that teens face today is a lack of hard work. Uh, excuse me, I mumbled to myself, a lack of hard work? I think teens are multitasking more than ever. I see it with my own eyes every day. Between school, socializing, extracurricular activities, clubs, athletics, part-time jobs, dealing with family, and on and on, there's barely time to breathe. A lack of hard work? Ha! Milking cows and mending fences doesn't sound any more difficult than juggling the multifaceted life of a 21st century teen. Let's face it, you've got a lot to do, and there's just not enough time. After school, there's rehearsal, followed by work. There's also that bio test tomorrow, and you've got to text your friend relationship crisis advice. On top of that, you should exercise. The dog needs a walk, and your room's a disaster. What'll you do? Habit three, but first things first can help. It's all about learning to prioritize and manage your time so that your first things come first, not last. But there's more to this habit than just management. Putting first things first can also help you learn to uncover your fears and be strong during hard moments. In habit two, you decided what your first things are. Habit three, then, is putting them first in your life. Sure, we can have a nice list of goals and good intentions, but doing them, putting them into action, is the hard part. That's why I call habit three the habit of willpower. The strength to say yes to your most important things and won't power the strength to say no to the less important things and to peer pressure. The first three habits build upon each other. Habit one says you are the driver, not the passenger. Habit two says decide where you want to go and draw up a map to get you there. Habit three says now get there. Don't let roadblocks knock you off course. Packing more into your life. Have you ever packed a suitcase and noticed how much more you can fit inside when you neatly fold and organize your clothes instead of just throwing them in? It's really quite surprising. The same goes for your life. The better you organize yourself, the more you'll be able to pack in, the more time you'll have for family and friends, more time for school, more time for yourself, more time for your first things. I'd like to show you an amazing model called the Time Quadrant that can help you pack more into especially important things it's made up of two primary ingredients, important and urgent. Important, your most important things, your first things, activities that contribute to your mission and your goals. Urgent, things that have to be done ASAP, in-your-face things, activities that demand immediate attention. In general, we spend our time in four different time quadrants, as shown in the table below. Each quadrant contains different kinds of activities, and is represented by a type of person. Quadrant one, urgent, important. The procrastinator. Test tomorrow, friends get injured, late to class, easy due, essay due today, car breaks down. Quadrant two, not urgent, but important. The prioritizer. Planning and goal setting, essay due in a week, 
working out, relationships, relaxation. Quadrant three, the yes man. Texting endlessly, distractions, other people, small problems, peer pressure. And quadrant four, the slacker. Stuck on Facebook, nonstop Xbox, mall marathons, mindless gossip, time waster. If you haven't already noticed, we live in a society that is addicted to urgency. It's the now generation. That's why we have internet on our phones, instant messaging, Instagram, crash diets, fast food, 140 character tweets, and online shopping. It reminds me of Veruca Salt, the spoiled rich girl in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, who keeps saying, now, daddy, now, I want an Oompa Loompa now. Urgent things aren't bad necessarily. The problem comes when we become so focused on urgent things that we put off important things that aren't urgent. Like working on that report in advance, going for a walk in nature, or taking time to video chat with a long distance friend. All these important things get interrupted by urgent things like texts, emails, deadlines, and other in your face to do it this second things. As we dig a little deeper into each quadrant, ask yourself what quadrant am I spending most of my time in? Quadrant one, the procrastinator. Let's start with quadrant one. Things that are both urgent and important. There will always be quadrant one things that we can, can't control and we must get done, like helping someone who is sick or sticking to a due date, but we also cause many quadrant one headaches because we procrastinate, like when we put off doing our homework and then have to cram all night for a test or when we neglect our bike for too long and then have to take it to get repaired. Quadrant one is part of life, but if you're spending too much time in quadrant one, believe me, you'll feel like a hot mess and you'll seldom be performing to your potential. Meet the procrastinator who hangs out in quadrant one. Perhaps you know her. Her motto is, I'm going to stop procrastinating sometime soon. Don't expect her to work on a paper or study for a test until the night before, and don't expect her to take time to get gas. She's usually too busy driving. The procrastinator is addicted to urgency. She likes to put things off and put things off and put things off until it becomes a crisis. But she likes it that way because you see, even though it's stressful, doing everything at the last minute gives her a rush. In fact, her mind won't kick into gear until there's an emergency. She thrives under pressure. Planning ahead is simply out of the question for the procrastinator because it would ruin the excitement of doing everything at the last possible moment. I can relate to the procrastinator because I was a cram artist in high school. I used to think it was impressive to not study all semester, then cram the night before and pull off a good grade. How stupid. Sure, I got the grade, but I didn't learn a thing and I paid for it in college. In many ways, I'm still paying for it. One procrastinating teen said it this way. What I do is I slack off until the end of the term and kill myself for the last two weeks. When grades come out, I get around a 3.7 or a 3.8, but I don't feel I gave, I've earned it because everyone else turns stuff in on time and does what they're supposed to, and they're not stressed. That's how I want to be. The results of too much time in quadrant one are stress and anxiety, feeling burnt out, and mediocre performance. Quadrant two, the prioritizer. We'll save the best for last. I'll keep you in suspense for now. Quadrant three, the yes man. Quadrant three represents things that are urgent 
but not important. It is characterized by trying to please other people and responding to their every desire. This quadrant is deceptive because urgent, immediate things feel important. In truth, they often are not. I mean, how many times do you drop something to check your phone when the only text you got is from a friend responding K or LOL and that's it? Not really worth the interruption. Quadrant three is loaded with activities that are important to other people but not important to you. Things that you would like to say no to but can't because you're afraid you might offend someone. Meet the yes man of quadrant three who has a hard time saying no to anything or anyone. He tries so hard to please everyone that he usually ends up pleasing no one, including himself. He suffers from FOMO, fear of missing out. He can't stop imagining that everyone's having fun without him, and so he tries to be part of everything. He often craves the peer pressure because caves to peer pressure because he likes feeling popular and he won't want to stand out. His motto is tomorrow I'll be more assertive, if that's okay with you. When his friends dropped by unexpectedly one evening and wanted him to go out for a night ride, he just couldn't muster up the courage to turn them down. He didn't want to disappoint his buddies. It didn't matter that he was taking a massive test the next morning and needed to study or get sleep. He told his sister that he'd help her with math, but he couldn't resist getting distracted by a texting marathon with most of the night, even though it wasn't that important. He didn't really want to join the swim team. He preferred graphic design. But his dad was a swimmer, so of course, he didn't want to let him down. I think all of us, myself included, have a little of quadrant three inside of us, but we won't accomplish much if we say yes to everything and never learn to focus on what's most important. Quadrant three is one of the worst quadrants to be in because it has no backbone. It's fickle and it will blow whichever way the wind is blowing. The results of spending too much time in quadrant three are feeling like a follower rather than a leader, lack of discipline, and feeling like a doormat of others to wipe their feet on. Quadrant four, the slacker. Quadrant four is the category of waste and excess. These activities are neither urgent nor important. Meet the slacker who hangs out in quadrant four. He loves anything in excess like too much TV, too much sleep, too much PlayStation, or too much time online. Two of his favorite pastimes include regular napping and binging on an entire TV series each weekend. He's a professional slacker. Sleeping until noon takes real skill after all. School, of course, is the last thing on his mind, and a summer job is out of the question. He'd rather, you know, just hang out. Yes, of course, chilling out and watching videos online are part of a healthy lifestyle. It's only when they're done in excess that they become a waste of time. You'll know when you cross the line. Watching that first episode of your favorite TV show might be just what you need to relax, and that's okay. But then watching the second, the third, or fourth, a rerun that you've already seen five or six times already, until 2 a.m. in the morning, turns a relaxing evening into one big waste of time. The results of living in quadrant four are lack of responsibility, guilt, flakiness, and missing out on adventures. Quadrant two, the prioritizer. Now back to quadrant two. Quadrant two is made of things that are important but not urgent, like relaxation, friendship, 
working out, planning ahead, and doing homework on time. It's the quadrant of excellence, the place to be. Quadrant two activities are important, but are quadrant two activities urgent? No. And that's why we have trouble doing them. For example, getting a good summer job may be very important to you, but since it's weeks away and not urgent, you may put off looking on Craigslist until it's too late, and then suddenly all the good jobs are filled. Had you been in quadrant two, you would have planned ahead and found a better job. It wouldn't take much more time, just a little more planning. Meet the prioritizer. Although she's by no means perfect, she's basically got it together. She takes a look at everything she has to do and then prioritizes, making sure her first things get done first and her last things last. Because she has the simple but powerful habit of planning ahead, she's usually on top of things. By doing her homework on time and writing papers a little in advance, she does her best work and avoids the stress and burnout that comes from cramming. She makes time to exercise and renew herself, even if it means pushing aside other things once in a while. The people who matter most in her life, like her friends and her family, come first, although it's a struggle staying balanced is important to her. She changes the oil in her car regularly, and she doesn't wait until she's running on, it's running on fumes to fill up the gas. She takes time to relax, but knows there's a time and a place to let loose. She's learned how to say no with a smile when her friends dropped by unexpectedly one evening to go to the party. She'd said, nah, I have an urgent, a huge test tomorrow. How about Friday night? Let's go out then. Her friends were okay with that and secretly wished that they had the courage to stick to their guns too. She's learned that resisting peer pressure appears unpopular at first, but that people come to respect her for it. The results of living in quadrant two are control of your life, balance, and high performance. So in which quadrant are you spending the majority of your time? One, two, three, four? Since in reality we all spend time in each quadrant, the key is to shift as much time as possible into quadrant two. And the only way you'll find more time for quadrant two is to reduce the amount of time you spend in the other quadrants. Here is how to do that. Shrink quadrant one by procrastinating less. You're always going to have lots to do in quadrant one, that's guaranteed. But if you can cut your procrastination in half by doing important things early, you'll be in quadrant one far less often. And the less quadrant one time means less stress. Say no to quadrant three activities. Learn to say no to unimportant things that pull you away from more important ones. Don't be so in interruptible. Trying to please everyone is like a dog trying to catch its tail. Remember, when you're saying no, you're really saying yes to more important things. Cut down on quadrant four slacker activities. Don't stop doing these things, just do them less often. You don't have time to waste. Shift this time to quadrant two. You need to relax and kick back, but remember, relaxation is a quadrant two. Excessive relaxation is quadrant four. In addition to spending more time in quadrant two, consider how others Two other suggestions to help you better manage your time and put first things first. Start a calendar and plan weekly. Get a planner. To start with, I highly recommend getting a planner or calendar on your computer, phone, or paper, whatever works. Just somewhere with a space to write down appointments, to-do lists, and goals. There are some great apps for calendars. Or, if you want, you can buy a paper planner 
or make your own out of a spiral-bound notebook. Some of you might be thinking, I don't want my life to be tied to a planner. I like my freedom. If this is you, keep in mind that a planner wasn't designed to tie you down, but free you up. With a planner, you'll no longer have to worry about forgetting things or double booking yourself. It will remind you when your papers are due and tests are to be taken. You can keep all of your important information in one place instead of scattered all over. A planner is not meant to be your master, but a tool to help you live your life. Plan weekly. A few minutes each week to plan your week and see what a difference it can make. Why weekly? Because we think in weeks, and because daily planning is too narrow to focus and monthly planning is too broad. Once you have a planner of some sort, follow this three-step weekly planning process. Step one. Identify your big rocks. At the end or beginning of each week, sit down and think about what you want to accomplish for the upcoming week. Ask yourself, what are the most important things I need to do this week? I call these your big rocks. They are sort of like mini goals that should be tied into your mission statement and long-term goals. Not surprisingly, you'll find that most of them will be in quadrant two. You might come up with a list of big rocks that look something like this my big rocks for the week. Study for chemistry test, finish the great Gatsby for English, attend Carly's game, finish summer job application, party at Anahi's house, and work out three times. So how do you know which of your big rocks? Well, think through the key roles of your life, students, student, friend, family member, employee, individual, whatever else you do, and then come up with one or two most important things that you wanna get done in each of those roles. Planning your life around roles majorly helps you stay balanced. Roles, student, big rock. Get started on history report. Role of a friend, big rock. Julio's birthday party, be more complimentary. Role, family, big rock. Get Mother's Day gift from the mall and call grandma. Role, job, big rock. Get to work on time. Roll me, big rock. Go to Jaden's gig and write in your journal every night. Roll debate team, big rock. Research arguments and practice your openings. Don't get carried away with identifying your big rocks for each week. Although you may feel you have 40 big rocks that must get done, be realistic and narrow your focus to no more than seven or 10. Step two, block out time for your big rocks. Do you know the big rock experiment? You get a bucket and fill it halfway full of small pebbles. Then you try to put in several big rocks in the bucket on top of the pebbles. They don't all fit. So you empty the bucket out and start over. And this time you put the big rocks in the bucket first, followed by all the pebbles and smaller. The pebbles neatly fit in the space around the big rocks. This time it all fits in. The difference is the order in which the rocks and pebbles were placed in the bucket. If you put the pebbles in first, the big rocks don't fit all fit. But if you put the big rocks in first, everything fits. Big rocks and pebbles. Big rocks represent your most important things. Pebbles represent all the little everyday things that suck up your time, such as chores, texting, errands, and interruptions. Moral of the story, if you don't schedule your big rocks first, they won't get done. During your weekly planning, block out time for your big rocks and putting them on your calendar. For example, you might decide the best time to get started on your history report is Tuesday night. 
and the best time to call your grandma is Sunday afternoon. Now block out those times. It's like making a reservation. If your big rock, such as give out three compliments each day or week, doesn't have a specific time attached to it, write it somewhere in the planner where it can be seen. If you block out time for your big rocks first, the other everyday activities will fit in as well. And if they don't, who cares? You'd rather push aside pebbles than big rocks. Take care of them next week. Step three, schedule everything else. Once you have your big rocks booked, schedule in all the other little to-dos, daily tasks, appointments. Here's where the pebbles go. Now take note of upcoming events and activities like vacations, friends, concerts, or birthdays.